to me, it was the right fit, you know, against the New York Giants. Like, this is, this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. We play in New Jersey, man, so there's going to be some chippiness, there's going to be some griminess, but we're leaving it within the line, and I'll take a team like that. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and we have entered the month of February. And for Giants fans, the months of January, February, March, and April, and the beginning of May, in recent years have had more intrigue and interest than September, October, November, and December. That's just the reality when you're tied for the most losses in the NFL with your MetLife Stadium co-tenants, the New York Jets. But here we are. It's a busy time for Big Blue. And while some things are settled, other things are not. On today's show, we will talk about Brian Dable's coaching staff, how that's coming together, what we think is going to happen on, on the offensive staff, specifically at offensive coordinator. We will also talk about the elephant in the podcast, so to speak, Brian Flores' lawsuit that includes the Giants, the Dolphins, the Broncos, and of course the NFL centered around the Rooney Rule and the hiring of minority candidates, Flores calling his interview with the New York Giants a sham, quote-unquote. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, I do believe that the facts need to play out. So you're not going to get a ton of speculation from me uh, in terms of who is right and who is wrong. I will just give you the information that I believe is fact and that everything else will sort itself out. We'll get to that in a second. Also, wanted to talk about just where the Giants go from here. What are we thinking? Senior Bowl is coming and going. Combine, first week of March. Already, Joe Shane, new general manager, down in Mobile, putting things in motion. Some of the things I've learned about how Shane will progress in the front office with the Giants, we'll get to that also. But first, before we dive in, just want to remind everyone that today's show, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Tipico. Tipico Sportsbook, a global sports betting leader, is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. For a limited time, new users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply 21 and over. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. And oh yeah, by the way, I'm recording this podcast on February 3rd, which is the anniversary of Super Bowl 42. Also, I was reminded on Facebook when my memory popped up, the helmets of the Giants and the Patriots from Super Bowl 46 in Indianapolis. That is on February 5th, which is two days from now. A lot of things going on, so let's jump right to it. I think... It's deserving of the lead to the show, and that's Brian Flores' lawsuit. You can read all about it 
in our coverage, both on NorthJersey.com, USA Today, and throughout the USA Today network. So I'm not going to break down the 60 pages of the lawsuit that was filed by Brian Flores. But for me and this podcast, it does come down to the allegations of the New York against the New York Giants. And I will track the timeline and the trajectory as I know it and what I believe to be the case. If you've listened to the show the last couple of weeks, you know that all along I thought Brian Dable was a favorite for this job. I thought he would end up landing this job just because of how it fit with the Giants. When they hired Joe Shane as general manager, I thought that was an even more of a sign that Dable would get the job. But at no point was I told from any sources, both inside and outside the building, that this was a done deal, that Brian Dable was going to be the next head coach of the Giants until that Friday night around, I think it was around 5.30, 6 o'clock, that the official news ended up coming out, breaking news first, then ended up getting it confirmed uh, through sources both outside and, like I said, inside the building that Dayball was the choice to be the next head coach of the New York Giants. So Brian Flores' candidacy, I think you have to go back to John Mara and as was revealed in Flores's lawsuit, Tim McDonald, who is the the co-director of player personnel for the Giants, he also happens to be John Mara's nephew. Uh, but in this case, I, I don't believe that he was reaching out as John's nephew. I think he was reaching out as a member of the Giants front office. You have to remember that the general manager was uh, let go. Uh, he retired, Dave Gettleman. And there are certain people in the organization that I think John Mara would trust and Steve Tisch would trust. So my understanding is that Tim McDonald reached out to Brian Flores, told him that John Mara would be reaching out to him because the Giants, through their general manager search, were told by several candidates that Flores was in the mix, so to speak, and among their candidates that they wanted to interview for the job if they got the Giants job. So my understanding off of that was that John Mara reached out, spoke to Brian Flores. What John Mara said, from my understanding, and this is from what John Mara told us, I actually asked John Mara this question. Why did he reach out to Brian Flores? That was during the Joe Shane introductory press conference, or at least after the press conference when we had availability with John Mara and John Mara said that he reached out to Brian Flores, let him know that he's a serious candidate for the job and that the reason he was reaching out because they had not yet hired a general manager is that he knew Flores had interviewed in several spots, Houston being one of them and presumably with the connection of Nick Casario in Houston, Mara believed that a possible offer would end up coming from Houston or just guarding against it if the Giants had not hired a general manager yet. They wanted to Brian Fl- they wanted Brian Flores to know that he was a serious candidate for the job. That most and what turned out to be their finalists, according to Mara, had Flores on their list of candidates that they wanted to interview. So instead of waiting for Joe Shane to be hired as general manager, 
Mara did what he thought was due diligence. At least that's the way he told us when he was asked about it. And obviously there's a gray line between what Mara thought, what Flores thought, and what the actual reality is. But that was the reason John Mara said. So when they hired Joe Shane as general manager, even before Joe Shane was hired, my understanding is that Joe Shane also reached out to Brian Flores to try to build some sort of relationship because out of the three finalists for general manager, Ryan Poles, Adam Peters, and Shane, my understanding all along was that Shane was the only one who really did not have a relationship of some sort with Brian Flores. And I think ultimately he wanted to create some sort of entry-level relationship. Again, my impression, not anyone's specific words. And when it came down to it, could it have been urging from ownership from John Mara? There were certainly people in the building the day that Joe Judge was ultimately fired there were people everywhere in the NFL who viewed Brian Flores as a good candidate on the market. So if the Giants immediately identified Brian Flores as someone that they wanted to speak to, that would not shock me at all. Now, let's fast forward to how things played out. Joe Shane was hired as general manager on a Friday. Then on Friday night, with the way things broke down, the Bills were playing Kansas City on Sunday. So when it came down to Friday night, Brian Dayball had a Zoom interview. Saturday morning, Leslie Frazier had a Zoom interview. Sunday, the Giants ended up having a Zoom interview with Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator of the Bengals. Bengals had advanced in the playoffs. If those interviews were not held, then... If the teams advanced, the Giants would not be able to talk to those candidates until after the Super Bowl. Because they opened that window, they were able to talk to them if they wanted a second interview the week of the Super Bowl. So that was a big step for them to take, really more procedurally than anything else. Then the Bill Belichick texts come out, uh, come to Brian Flores on Monday, and Immediately, the reaction is, if you listen to Brian Flores and listen to his representatives, that right there, Flores felt as though Belichick knew that Dayball was getting the job. And I think at this point is where things kind of get a little bit cloudy. Because the Giants interviewed Brian Dayball on a Tuesday. They interviewed Patrick Graham on Wednesday. They interviewed Brian Flores on Thursday. They interviewed Leslie Frazier for a second time in person on Friday, and then Dayball was offered the job officially on Friday night. And for all the accusations that if this was done, if this was official, uh, that the Giants offered the job to Dayball earlier than those interviews, well, then they should be punished. That's violating the, the Rooney rule. The Rooney rule is not perfect, but I do believe that the Rooney rule needs to continue to enhance the opportunities across the board. So do I think the giants viewed Brian Flores as a candidate for this job? Absolutely. 
everything I heard outside the building, and I did not report that it was John Mara's top candidate because I saw that elsewhere. That was not told to me. All I know is that outside the building, people who knew Brian Flores, people were interested in this coaching search, believed that Brian Flores was a serious candidate for the job and that he impressed the Giants and really made the decision a lot harder than what many people would have anticipated, given the connections between Joe Shane and Brian Dable. So that's where we're at. Look, this is going to have legs. This is going to be something we're going to have to focus on down the down the line. Uh, but my take on it is, if Brian Flores' lawsuit ultimately brings more change to the NFL and more opportunities for minority candidates, that's a good thing. As far as what I know and the Giants' involvement here, I've just laid that out for you. I do believe Brian Flores was a serious candidate for this job. I do believe that Brian Dayball was the best fit, mostly because of the offensive package that he would bring to help this offense. Daniel Jones, uh, Saquon Barkley, this offensive line. That's in 2022, and then obviously whatever happens down the road, if those guys are a part of this future, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, So, Again, we'll talk more on the Flores lawsuit when it's warranted and merited over the next couple weeks. But at this point, the more important thing is to just lay it out for you. And, I, you know, I my opinion is this. If there's a way to have the Rooney Rule improved and get more opportunities for minority candidates in the NFL, they need to do it. And if this lawsuit gets to that point, then that's a good thing. How that affects the Giants moving forward, we'll have to wait and see and see what happens. So that's where we're at with the Flores lawsuit. Obviously, we'll get to back back to that and in, in other shows. But I also wanted to talk about the Giants coaching search. Some things that are happening. Patrick Graham should be back as defensive coordinator. Jerome Henderson should be back as defensive backs coach. I think Mike Trier will be back as his assistant on the back end of the defense. I would give keep an eye on Casey Rogers as a possible defensive line coach to replace Sean Spencer, who ended up leaving uh, to go to the University of Florida. On the offensive side of the ball, they're breaking down the offensive coordinator. I think ultimately it'll come down to Mike Kafka or Pep Hamilton to be the OC. Shea Tierney is going to be the quarterback's coach. He was with Dable in Buffalo. The offensive line is Bobby Johnson. He is an offensive line coach that's been with the Bills the last four years. I think there is value in bringing in an offensive line coach. You could kind of sync everything together front to back, and from everything I understand, Johnson is a respected coach in the league. Ultimately, the Giants, it will come down to players uh, and not necessarily plays, so we will see what what happens there. Uh, I can tell you right now, and as, the, as I'm recording this show, a little bit of breaking news. Mike Kafka will be the offensive coordinator for Brian Dayball. Uh, just got confirmation uh, for First report is with the NFL Network. Mike Garofolo had it, but Kafka will be the offensive coordinator. A uh, couple things about Kafka, which I think is interesting. Uh, 
if he can bring some of the concepts that Kansas City has with Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy to the Giants and kind of mesh that with Brian Dayball's offensive scheme that he used in Buffalo, boy, that's a tremendous, tremendous amount of knowledge for this Giants offense that really needs a makeover completely. Uh, I think that's the the thing about Kafka. He was the quarterback's coach since Patrick Mahomes arrived in Kansas City. He was passing game coordinator for each of the last two seasons. He's only 34 years old, so he's a young offensive coach to kind of blend with Brian Dable and Shea Tierney and to get this offense going. Um, so the anticipation is that Mike Kafka will be the guy. I liked Pep Hamilton as well. I thought both candidates would be very good for Daniel Jones and whoever else the Giants bring in as quarterback. I think that's an important step for Brian Dayball in this offense. So nothing official yet, but as I'm recording the podcast, I'm getting texts and seeing things online that it will be Kafka uh, as the offensive coordinator. So a little breaking news on All In this week. The other part I wanted to mention as far as the coaching staff, Thomas McGahee will be back as special teams coordinator. I broke that news earlier this week. Uh, T-Mac interviewed in Carolina with the Chargers and in Chicago. He's ultimately retained here. Look, there's a lot talked about Joe Judge and McGahee and Tom Quinn, who was the longtime special teams coordinator and is now or was McGahee's assistant. I'm not sure if Quinn returns, but Thomas McGahee is a respected coach around the league. I have no issues with him coming back as special teams coordinator. What I will say regarding McGahee and Patrick Graham is that it's a dynamic that is just interesting for a first-year head coach and a first-year head coach here who's trying to build relationships with players in the locker room. I have no doubt that Graham and McGahee will be able to work with Brian Dayball. They're like-minded people. They can come up with a plan and be able to to implement it. Uh, my only concern is if things don't go well. And if you're a player in that locker room, do you go to Graham? Do you go to McGahee and not go to Dayball? Because your relationships obviously are stronger and more developed with those guys in the locker room. That's something that the coaching staff has to be cognizant of and make sure that the avenues of communication uh, are open across the board. Because if you're a player in that locker room, it can become very, very easy to go to people you know and not go to the head coach who you don't know. Uh, And on the last thing there is that I know there are going to be changes on this staff. It's still going to be a little weird to see if some of quote-unquote Joe Judge's guys end up with this team moving forward. Uh, I get that they were good coaches. Uh, What I'm looking at is this was a lot more than just Joe Judge was the problem. So uh, I think Bayball owes it to himself to kind of make some good decisions defensively, offensively, and even on special teams to make sure that this isn't just a, well, we, we replaced the head coach and some offensive staff, but it's just Joe Judge's guys back to run it again. Um, I don't believe that's the case. I think the Giants will be able to clear that pretty quickly, but that's definitely something that I, I've thought of as these coaches are either retained or uh, look for jobs elsewhere. 
Uh, and the last thing for the Giants that I think I would want to tackle on this show is Laura Young and how Giants history is going to be made now with a new addition to this coaching staff. Laura Young will follow Brian Dayball from Buffalo. She's going to be the team's director of coaching operations, and she's believed to be the first woman hired to work in the coaching department in franchise history. It's a great statement by the Giants to make this move, and Laura is definitely, from everything I've read and reported and heard about her, qualified to be a part of this team, so I think it's a great thing. Uh, Very respected through the Rex Ryan tenures, both in the Jets and Buffalo, and then she stayed on in Buffalo through Sean McDermott, and now we'll follow Brian Dable to New York. We'll get more into Laura's potential hire next week. Uh, and I think at this point, it's just a good statement for the Giants in the last two years with everything that's going on. The fact that they hired the first female scout in team history in Hannah Bennett two years ago, and now they're making Laura a part on the coaching side of things. There's still a long way to go across the board in the NFL, as he said in the open. Slowly but surely, I think some of these steps, I think, deserve to be notable steps as everyone continues to hope for more diversity, not just in the NFL, but within the Giants organization, And that's why I think a step like this is important. So appreciate you tuning in. We will obviously be back as news warranted or we'll have next week's show. So thanks for being all in and we'll catch you next time.